whoever wins the World Cup, you're just going to have an amazing time. Not all teams can get the victory. What sort of a position women's football holds inside the halls of power of FIFA? I wish I could go to Australia because I know it's going to be fantastic. The ticket. Reflections. Hello and welcome to the Ticket Podcast. I'm in David Mark. I'm in Tamaki Makoro, Auckland with Ash Tullock, New Zealand sports journalist. Ash, we've got some really big quarterfinals in Aotearoa, New Zealand today. How are you, first of all? Very good. I mean, it's been quite nice to... Well, actually, nice isn't a word. It's been strange not having these games the last few nights. I don't know what... I'm already worried about what we're going to do when the world comes over. Um, but it's been nice to sort of prepare and think about it and get really excited because, as you say, these are huge matchups. I think we've got four of the very best teams in the competition and I wouldn't be at all surprised if the winner of the World Cup comes from this side of the draw. Obviously, Australians are hoping beyond hope that it's the Matildas, but let's see who's going to play them in the final. Starting with Te Whanganuiatara Wellington, Spain is playing the Netherlands. I think Spain are one of the more enigmatic teams of this World Cup. They've had some big wins and big losses. Yeah, they really have. I mean, they've had three wins, that big loss to Japan, and I think that was their real wake-up call. I think if they play the way that they know how, then we can see some really exciting football from them. The reality is that the Netherlands are not going to be easy to get past. They have tasted, you know, they've got so close to tasting winning success in France in 2019. I think they'll be you know, really remembering that and wanting to sort of prove that they can go the full distance, but this is going to be a really big challenge for them. I find Spain intriguing because you mentioned that defeat against Japan. I think in the space of two matches we saw how to play them and how not to play them, and what you can't do is what Switzerland did, which is give them room because their passing is amazing and they can cut you up. Yeah, and you know what's interesting is that Spain are really good at being, I think, fast, at being kind of intimidating. But the Netherlands have actually not conceded a single goal this entire tournament. And they have a great ability to adjust, an ability to, I think, just look sharp. And they've been really impressive. So I do feel a bit confused about this one because I think if the Spanish play the way that they can, they'll get the, they'll, you know, they'll take, um, take the win. But the Netherlands do actually have this impressive clinical ability at the moment where um, yeah I think I think they could actually have the edge unfortunately. <laughs> well that's the first one. The blockbuster is tonight in Tamaki Makoro, Auckland Eden Park where Japan take on Sweden. Japan are the only team in this World Cup that's won all four of their games. Uh, they've been awesome but Sweden have been almost as awesome. They won their three pool matches and they had that nil-all draw against the United States in the round of 16, but of course won on penalties. Ash, I just think this is such an intriguing game. Yeah, and I think what's exciting about this game is you've got this incredible matchup of Hanata Miyazawa, who is the tournament's top goal scorer. She's got, um, I believe that she's got goals at five out of four of her games. Um, so she's looking like potentially the unexpected golden boot, but then you've got her up against the person who has impressed everyone um, with her goaling abilities, um, Zerka Mosevic, and she's just been absolutely supersonic. Her performance <laughs> against USA was amazing. Yeah. She had 11 saves. So we've actually got this super scorer and a super saver. 
going up against one another. And for me, that is just going to be amazing. What happens when an immovable force meets an irresistible <laughs> object or the other way around? I can't yeah. what it is, but it's going to be something like that. Japan are fast. Um, you mentioned Miyazawa. She's got this ability. If she gets in behind the defenders, she will score. They're, they're so fast and they're so clinical. But Sweden's got Amanda Illestet. She's a centre-back. She's already scored three goals. She's amazing on set pieces, and that's Sweden's really strong point. Their, their corners are brilliant, and, and she scored a number of um, goals from corners. I think, yeah, to your point, you've actually got two teams who've got quite different styles, and so it'll be interesting to see which team is able to play their style or at least respond and react to the other team um, really efficiently. And I think the, the scary part about Japan is that yeah, if they do, if they do get a run at the goal, they they get goals. You know, they just if they're in front of it, they make it. But as I said, it's going to be really interesting because you know Sweden have this phenomenal goalie, and I just think it's going to be the ultimate test of two teams that uh, have performed so well this entire tournament. And I do think it's kind of unfair that we're seeing it now. Um, for me, this actually could easily be a final matchup. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be very exciting. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think these are the two form teams of the competition, and it feels like in some ways that we should be seeing this game at least two games ahead of us, not right now. They're both also incredibly well coached, Japan in particular. Uh, the press conferences yesterday, Japan's coach was saying that you know, they're going to go and plan A, B and C. They'll sit back and see how the game's progressing and then decide how to play. But Sweden's coach wasn't giving anything away either. So both very canny men and it will be an absolutely intriguing game. Yeah, and I think the other thing to remember is that it's not just about individual players. Like I have mentioned, and, and as have you, individuals. But it's about those synergies, it's about those connections, and it's about how they kind of, they communicate and how they play together. Um, and, you know, knockout football is full on. It's really intense. And it's, it's about how they kind of come into it, whether they embrace the challenge or whether it's a bit overwhelming. Um, so, you know, we're going to find out later today. <laughs> we will do. And then on to tomorrow and the match that all Australia is so excited about. Australia versus France, Les Bleus. Uh, Australia on this incredible roll uh, with a couple of really emphatic victories over Canada and then Denmark. But France also building very nicely, shifting through the gears, if you like, uh, and then get that 4-0 win over Morocco in the round of 16. This is a really tough match for the Matildas. Yeah, and I think both sides will be going to this with quite a bit of confidence because both of their last games in the round of 16 were really impressive. You know, the way that Australia played against Denmark, they were very cool, they were very calm, they didn't panic. I think there were a lot of people that were would have been quite happy to see that because, you know, for a while it was like, okay, what's going to happen here? Um, and so I think it's exciting to see that they have that composure. Um, but I do have to say France were very clinical uh, against Morocco. They've been clinical in their other games. I mean, they thumped Panama. They obviously beat Brazil 2-1. But, you know, to your point, they are building. And I just, I find them quite scary. I think, I think the Matildas have got a big challenge on their hands. But it's been amazing to see that crowd support and see how much energy and how much the country has really got behind them. And it matters, it really matters. Not that I'm a player who's ever been on the field, but you can feel it in the stadiums, can't you? You can feel it when there is a crowd willing their players on. Um, and so I think that should have a good advantage for them. 
A lot's been made of the fact that these two teams played a practice match just before the World Cup. Australia <laughs> beat France 1-0 and Australia's saying, we're going to mine that game for every little bit of information and the France are saying, it's nothing. <laughs> it was just a practice match and we were jet-lagged. <laughs> so I, I, it is going to be interesting to see, you know, how much that match mirrors this one, but I suspect that's well in the past now. Yeah, I mean, that was only uh, less than a month ago, and so it is sort of, will be fresh in both of their minds, but it plays an advantage to both of them. The French can kind of be like, wow, they won't be expecting us, you know, they think they know us, but they don't, uh, and obviously the Matildas will all feel confidence from, from how they play. But, you know, that's in the past, and I think they're all, you know, any good team, any good players are focused on the present, they're focused on where they are here and now. Um, and I, I think the Matildas are incredibly focused. Not that I wouldn't have expected them to be, but they do look like they've taken on ownership of the fact that they are co-hosting this, this tournament and they want to own it and they want to do their country proud. Like, they have been thinking about this for a long time, so, you know, they want to seize this moment. And obviously there is the Sam Kerr question and people of course are still wondering does she start after playing 10 minutes in her previous game, does she come on? The interesting thing about the Sam Kerr injury is how it's really shown us what else the Matildas have got and it almost raises the question about whether they might actually be better, it feels sacrilegious to say this, without Sam Kerr because they, they play more of as a team, they're not so focused on Sam Kerr. But then again, she's one of the best players in the world, so of course they're better with her on the field. Yeah, but I think we've talked about this with other teams, where other teams have got these incredible individual athletes, and they play together, they play very well for their clubs, but when they come together as a nation, they just haven't had that synergy. And I think, to the Matilda's credit, they've gone, well, she's, she's not able to play, let's pick up, let's move on, and let's do the business. And I think other players have had an opportunity to step up to the occasion and I think that it, because it's gone so well for them it's given them more courage and more fearlessness and you know it was just incredible the way that she did come on you know late in that game against Denmark because the crowd roared but at the same time you know the team had done so well without her and she came on and she did play very well but at the same time I just think it, there's been this amazing sort of realization that they can actually do it with her and it's not about doing it without her because her presence on the bench still has a huge impact you know that mental side of things with any player with any team it just cannot be ignored so she's playing her part in that team without actually having played on the field and I think strategically it's quite exciting to see how they're going to play her um, because it was quite nice I enjoyed the build-up to, to mm. sort of oh here she goes and you know the camera cutting to her getting changed and um, you know, poor thing, I just think she's, <laughs> she, she can't even take a top off, you know, obviously she's sort of used to the attention, I'm sure, but, you know, she couldn't even take a top off to put her jersey on without the camera being on her, so, um, yeah, good honour, and, and look, actually, the other things, I feel for her family as well, it must be so overwhelming for them, but, you know, they are incredible athletes, but they're also humans as well. I sense they're used to it, but yeah, Sam Kerr has been the focus of the nation. That match is in Brisbane, Mianjin, but later on in the evening uh, in Sydney, Wongal, it's going to be England playing Colombia. England really lucky in some ways to get out of jail against Nigeria. And Colombia have been the dark horse and playing some really exciting football. And I'm England are the European champions, but I can't pick this game. 
Yeah, I think, and I hope this doesn't sound rude, but I think England have had a somewhat easier run to this point than many of the other teams. That Nigeria game was really exciting, and I think that will be their wake-up call in the same way that we talked about Spain having a wake-up call against Japan and, and whatnot. I think that game against Nigeria will be England's wake-up call. Um, but, you know, how are they going to match a team like Colombia, who are just playing... I think with a, a bit of extra pizzazz, uh, some energy, and quite a bit of like physical gusto. Um, I, I don't know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how this one goes. England are the one that sort of a lot of people are saying are the ones to beat out of this whole tournament. Coming into the tournament, people have been very excited about them. Uh, they had a great matchup with USA last year. But uh, as we know, every the past is, is out the window. And um, yeah, I think, I think Colombia could could push them to the limit. I mean, I don't know if we're going to see more shootouts tonight or tomorrow for that matter. Yeah, well, that's another factor that uh, always comes into play at this stage of a tournament. Of course, uh, England is have to, going to have to do without Lauren James, who got that two-match ban for, uh, for her actions in the last match, and she's a huge loss. Uh, Colombia have got Linda Caicedo, who's been this 18-year-old star of the tournament, an amazing goal scorer and such a skillful player. So England are missing a key player and Colombia are pretty much at full strength. Yeah, I mean, I have to say it was really disappointing seeing how that played out um, in that last game for England against Nigeria because you do sort of wonder if athletes, you know, have these brain fart moments where they just do something that they just know that they probably shouldn't do and it's the heat of the moment. Um, but it is what it is and you just have to go onwards and upwards and you know, I'm sure she doesn't feel particularly great about it, but the team just have to pick themselves up and carry on. And, and maybe they'll sort of do it in spite of her, and, and who knows. But, um, yeah, let's, let's see. The last time these two teams met actually was back in 2015. So they don't really know each other particularly well, which I think is nice. I like the fact they haven't met each other in a while because they can both sort of bring out a surprise factor. But again, you know, France and Australia, even though they met not, not that long ago, um, you know, it's still going to be surprising as well. So I think all around we have got some really amazing football to watch. And, um, you know, I think we'll still be talking about record crowds as well for a few more days to come. <laughs> well, we can talk and talk and talk. It's time to actually start watching some football. Ash, thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks so much. Bring it on.